Chapter 9 of Phantoms of Reality by Ray Cummings. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Alexander. Derek turned back to the balcony. It had been a brief interlude. The mob in the garden, the soldiers at the top of the stairway, and the other guards high on the bridge of the tower were all standing, gazing. Shouts again arose as Derek appeared. Again he raised his arms. This time his voice rang out. Silence, all of you. I am a friend. Silence. At first they did not heed him. Then someone shouted. Quiet. Listen to him. Let him talk. The crowd was bellowing, and then they ceased. The bell was still. In the hush came Derek's voice. I am a friend. I come from foreign lands, from distant lands of strange people and strange magic. For answer, the crowd shouted and milled in confusion. A stone came up, and then another. Derek stood immovable, like a statue gazing down at them. I command you to disperse. You will not? Then look at me, look at me, all of you. My will is law beyond this king, beyond these palace soldiers, beyond any power you have ever known. Then I knew a part of Derek's purpose. He had pressed the mechanism at his wrist. He stood imperious, with upraised arms. The garden was in a tumult, but in a moment it died. A wave of horror swept the crowd. A freezing, incredulous horror. They stood staring, incredulous, silent, swept with a widening wave of horror. The figure of Derek on the balcony was fading, turning luminous, a wraith a ghost of his menacing shape standing there. It faded until it was almost gone, and then, as he reversed the mechanism, it materialized again. A moment passed, then he stood again, solid before them. His voice rang out. Will you obey me now? I am a friend of the toilers. They were prostrate before him. There is no fear more terrible than the fear of the supernatural. In all of history, there has been in our world no worship more abject than the worship and fear of a primitive people for its supernatural god. On the platform beneath the balcony, the palace soldiers stared up horrified. They too were prostrate before Derek's threatening gestures and commanding voice. I stood watching, listening, and suddenly, from the prostrate crowd, a man leaped up. In the silence, his amazed voice carried over the garden. Alexander, it's our Prince Alexander, our lost Prince. He stood staring at Derek, his arms gesturing to his comrade around him. He shouted it again. Our rightful king, come back to us. Don't you recognize him? I saw him go. He went like that, fading into a ghost. Ten years ago, when Leonto killed his father, and would have killed him had he not escaped. The crowd was standing up now. They recognized Derek. There was no doubt of it. The garden was ringing with tumultuous shouts. Alexander, our lost prince, has come back to us. My head was whirling with it. Derek, prince of this realm, I could see that it was true. Escaped from here as a young lad, when his throne was usurped, returning now, a man, to claim his own. And suddenly he turned and flashed me his smile. 
The din from the garden drowned his words. The crowd was shouting, Alexander, our lost prince. The king's guards on the lower platform stood sullen, confused. I heard footsteps behind me. I whirled around. From the room, the group of Robar's crimson nobles were rushing toward me. Their swords were out. One of them shouted, Kill them now. We must kill them and have done. There were five or six men in the group. They were no more than ten feet away from me. They came leaping. I stood in the window opening with only my dirk to oppose them. I shouted, Derek, Derek. I think I took a step backward. I was out on the balcony. It flashed over me. Derek and I were caught out here. The first of the red-cloaked figures came hurtling through the doorway. I leaped to avoid his sword. I saw the others crowding behind him. Then I felt Derek shove me violently aside. I half fell, but recovered myself at the balcony rail. Five of the crimson nobles were on the balcony. Derek confronted them. His aspect made them pause. They stood with outstretched swords. The garden was silent. The crowd stared up, and in the silence Derek roared, Get back, all of you. Go back inside. Back, or I'll kill you. In Derek's right hand he held the cylinder outstretched, leveled at the menacing nobles. Back, I say. But instead they rushed him. There was a flash. From the cylinder it seemed that a ray spat out. A flash of silver light. It caught the three men who were in advance of the others. Their swords dropped with a clatter to the balcony floor. They stood transfixed. An instant, Derek's silver ray played upon them. Their red cloaks were painted with its silver sheen. They were shimmering. I gasped, staring. The other nobles, beyond the ray, had fallen back, and they too stood staring in horror. Another instant, the three figures wavered. I saw the face of one of them, with a shock of incredulous horror still upon it. A face turning luminous, a face erased with only the staring eyes to mark where it had been. There was a moment when the three men stricken stood like shimmering ghosts, with Derek's deadly ray upon them. Then they were gone. It seemed, just as they vanished, that they were falling through the balcony floor. Derek snapped off his ray. He rasped. Back into that room, I tell you. The remaining nobles fled before him. He turned again to the balcony rail. My people, yes, I am Alexander. I had not thought you would recognize me so soon. But you are right. The time has come for me to claim my inheritance, and I will rule you justly. His cylinder was still in his hand. He swept a watchful glance behind him. I thought of Robar. He was in the next room with the king. Had they seen this attack upon Derek? They must have heard the crowd shouting, Alexander. It seems strange they did not appear. I recall now, as I look back to this moment on the balcony, that I suddenly thought of Hope. She had been beside me just before the nobles attacked. I did not see her now. I was startled, but thought of her was driven from my mind. From within the palace a scream sounded, a girl screaming. But it was not Hope's voice, a girl screaming and then shouting, The king is dead. 
Derek came rushing at me. Charlie, that... We heard it again. The king is dead. We hurried into the adjoining room. There was no one to stop us. No one up here now who dared oppose Derek. The terrified nobles in the room fell cringing before him. Alexander, spare us. We are loyal to you. He strode past them. In the adjacent apartment, we found the king lying upon the floor. A wound in his throat welled crimson. He had evidently been lying here alone, and he had just now been found by a girl who had entered. He was not quite dead. Derek bent over him. He opened his eyes. He gasped faintly. Robar killed me. Robar. And that accursed crimson sensua. His voice trailed away. The light went out of his staring eyes. Derek laid him gently back on the floor. And as though already the news of his death had miraculously spread, the bell in the castle tower began tolling, not clanging now, tolling, with slow, solemn accent. The crowd evidently recognized it. We could hear the shouts, Death, death has come. Derek's eyes were blazing as he stood up. The end, Charlie, I would not have planned this, and yet... He did not finish. He whirled, rushed back to the other room, and to the balcony. The scene was again in confusion, the crowd milling, voices shouting. The king is dead. At the edge of the garden, a woman's shrill, hysterical laughter rose over the din. Derek called. Yes, the king is dead, he paused. Then he added, If you want me, if I have your loyalty, I will claim my throne. A tumult interrupted him. Alexander, King Alexander. He spread his arms, but he could not silence them. The king is dead. Long live King Alexander. A wave of it swept over the garden, engulfing the castle. At the main entrance, Leonto's soldiers stood sullen, listening to it. Derek stood triumphant. His hands were outstretched, palms down. But up on the circular bridge at the top of the tower, there was a sudden commotion. The soldiers up there had vanished, moved back within the tower to make room for other figures. I stared amazed, transfixed. A huge man in leather garments was there, with a sword stuck in his wide belt. A man with a bullet head, a heavy face gazing down. Robar. And held in front of him the slender figure of a girl. Hope. He clutched her his thick arm encircling her breast. With sinking heart, I realized what had happened. Hope had moved away from me. Everyone in the room had been intent upon Derek. Robar had come quietly in, after murdering the king, had seized Hope, stifled her outcry, and had taken her up into the tower. And I had promised Derek that I would shield this girl from harm. The horror of it the self-condemnation of it swept me, froze me to numbness. I could not think. I could only stand and stare. Robar held hope like a shield before him. The low railing hardly reached her knees. A sheer drop to the garden beneath. He held her tightly, and in his free hand I saw his dirk come up menacingly against her white throat. His voice called. Silent down there. Alexander, you traitor. Silence. 
Derek stared up. The triumph faded from him. He stared, stricken. The crowd stared. The soldiers on the lower platform ceased their shouting and gazed up at these new actors, come so unexpectedly upon the stage. Again, Robar called to the guards this time. I represent your King Leonto. This Alexander is a traitor to all of us, and he cannot harm me. I defy him. Look at him. I defy him to use his evil weapon upon me. Derek was silent. A single adverse move, and Robar's knife would stab in the hope's throat. Derek's ray was powerless. A flash from it would have killed Hope, not Robar. The king's soldiers saw Derek's indecision. One of them shouted, He cannot harm us. Look, he is frightened. The crowd recognized Hope. They began calling her name, and calling, Master Robar, do not harm our Hope. I will not harm her. Not if you do what I tell you. Leave the garden. Go quietly. I will deal with this traitor. He added to the guards, Go up and seize him. He cannot hurt you. Traitor, seize him. If he does not yield, if any of this crowd attacks you, then I will kill Hope. Derek stood clinging to the balcony rail. With Robar's watchful gaze upon him, he did not dare turn or move. I was standing back from the balcony, behind Derek, and partly in the room. No one thought of me. No one from outside could see me. And I, who had played no part in this, save that one I had neglected, suddenly saw my role. My cue was sounding. My role to play, here, upon this tumultuous stage. I turned back into the dim room. A few frightened men and girls were here. They were all crowding forward, gazing through the windows at the scene outside. No one noticed me, but I saw, with sudden realization, my role to play. I darted across the room, out into the dim, deserted corridor of the castle. End of chapter 9